at your right hand. Pleasures evermore. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. You do reign. We acknowledge you tonight as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you are master. You reign. Holy Spirit, bring wisdom and revelation and understanding concerning what Paul wrote, that if we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, that which you provided for us, as we make you Lord, receive those things you've provided, we reign in life with you. We reign over the circumstances of life because you're our Lord. And you reign. Reveal that to us. That we truly might not resist it, but we might enfold into that place with you. That every strategy of the enemy that would come against us, we reign over it through you. Our Lord, our Savior, the one who reigns in our heart, the one who reigns in our life, our mind. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for this night and the Holy Spirit who is the teacher. God, we look into your word tonight as it is in truth the holy written word of God. We look to gain knowledge of the truth. For Jesus said if we'd know the truth, the truth would make us free. So we look to gain liberty and freedom from things that have bound us. Things that will uh, look to gain things that will open up our mind and change our mindset about certain things that we truly might be free to think and to establish new thoughts and, and, and uh, mount up new mindsets from heaven that we truly might see your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us, guiding us, teaching us, giving us utterance as we ought to speak. As you do, I thank you there's a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our heart would be flooded with light that truly we would begin to know and understand the great expectation and hope of our calling. We thank you for that, God, that we would understand and see the riches of the glory of your inheritance for us as saints of God, that we would see and understand the exceeding greatness of your power that you release towards us who believe, that same miracle-working power that raised Christ from the dead, that same authoritative power that seated him at your own right hand, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in every name that is named. God, that we'd have revelation of that, knowing that we have power and authority to live out our heavenly calling right here on earth. As you reign, and we reign with you, as your church, the fullness of him who fills everything everywhere. So we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise and thanksgiving for everything that will be accomplished in every heart, and in every life by your word and your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? How are you this evening? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. His mercy endures forever and ever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We learn to praise. We learn to shout before the walls come down. We're not waiting for something to happen. It already happened. In Christ, amen? Praise the Lord. Well, greet three or four people around you. Tell them that you're glad that they're here this evening.
Praise the Lord. It's good to see you all tonight. Everybody who's joining us on live stream, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, just a, a couple of reminders. Um, uh, number one reminder, men, uh, Friday, this morning, first service. If you were watching, sorry, I said Thursday. But uh, Friday, men's conference begins Friday night. Saturday, Addison Bevere will be here. You want to get signed up. You want to get registered. Uh, if you're here tonight and you're like, you know what, that app thing, I don't, uh, you know, understand what to do, how to register. Well, look Shane up right after service, and he'll help you get registered. I had somebody say today, you know, if I could just write somebody a check and get registered instead of going through the app thing, I'm not registered yet. So, you know, I know we're modernizing, but, you know, some of us are slower than others. So we just want to make access to every single person. It's going to be a great time, uh, a great meeting for men. As Pastor Tasha said, you know, when you affect the men, uh, you affect the whole family. Amen. And uh, again, it's true with the moms and the ladies. We have our ladies conference, uh, that impact place. Uh, how many of you were affected at camp in, in some point in your life, a youth camp or something? Well, this is just the same. It's an isolated period of time that we join together. God speaks certain things into our life that we take with us, changes our life. And so uh, men get signed up so we can plan on how many to have. Uh, just believe and we're going to fill the place up. God's going to, uh, uh, you know, minister to us. It's a, it's a great time. The influence that God has given us, we're ministering really throughout the region. We've got men coming from Salt Lake City, Lander, Wyoming, uh, uh, Steamboat Craig Meeker, uh, people coming from Grand Junction, and so really regionally men are coming, and so we're we're the host, and so our men should come and and give that uh, set our atmosphere so that people others coming can be ministered to. So if you haven't registered yet, register. If you're registered, look around you uh, to guys that God has given you influence in their life, whether it's at work or somewhere, and bring them, invite them. Bring them. If you know somebody who would come, but they can't, you know, the, the $60 registration, you know, is difficult. Uh, if you have it, uh, sponsor them. If you don't, then uh, let me know, and we'll figure out a way to get them here. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's coming up Friday. We're going to have a great time. Then Sunday, next Sunday, Addison's going to be here all day long. And um, if you've been with us when Addison has been with us, uh, his dad, John, has come and, and last year came and it's a great time. They have two different areas of ministry, both uh, extremely powerful. And so uh, Addison has, you know, he's not just, you know, just like his mom, just like his dad. He's got his gifting and his calling. It's, it's very, very powerful. And so we've asked him to stay to minister, not just to the men, but to minister to you all. And so you don't want to miss it. Uh, you know, God says to whom much is given, much is required. And so when God brings these gifts uh, that he's placed in the body, uh, uh, sets up a supernatural thing and brings them here, there will be a requirement on us down the road to say, you know, well, I didn't know that. I didn't see that. So, well, I brought them there. Praise the Lord. So we want to participate in what God has done, honor God in that and the gifts of God. Amen? So that's next weekend, and uh, praise the Lord. We just encourage you to be a part. If you weren't here this morning, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want to give you an opportunity uh, to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, you can raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. Zalan says, we're so thankful for your giving, your generosity. It's uh, affecting things in many different places. Again, uh, I got a report from the jail ministry today. Last week, six people uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, in the men's pod and the meeting pod. 
Today, somebody rededicated their life, and so jail ministry is going forth. We're ministering at the extended table uh, to the homeless and, and people who need that. We're ministering to every age group here. We're ministering in, in places around uh, our region and in the world, and so uh, there's lots of things that are going on, and without you, we could not do it, and so we're believing with you, you know, that uh, whatever needs to be restored in your life will be restored every need met according to his riches and glory, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, right? We're not under it. We're above it. We're above and not beneath. We're the head and not the tail. Praise the Lord. And as God begins to bless your life, we're praying that you have wisdom and revelation. You know, sometimes God brings it into our hands, and then we're not smart with it. But he wants to bring it into our hands, give us wisdom and understanding on what to do with it, when to do that with it. And so it continues to increase, grow, not just prosper in our life, but prosper in the things that God sent it to do, just like his word. Right? He sends his word, and, and it won't return void, as Alan said today, but it'll prosper in the thing that he sent it. Well, the same is true when he blesses you financially. Some of it's seed to sow. Some of it's bread for food. Right? It, it creates a generosity. But if it's a generosity, God has you give it to somebody. He has an intention and purpose that he plans on fulfilling. Amen? And so it's, a, it's really God, God has a great plan to increase us in every single way. And so we're believing God with you for increase in every single way, debt paid, right? Uh, flourishing in the things of God, able, able to give when God moves on your heart, able not to say, well, I would if I could, but God bringing you to a point where you have all sufficiency in everything and you're able to give to every charitable donation. Isn't that good? So that sincerity of heart, well, if I had it, I would give. Then God says, well, let's just start where you're at. Amen. And he wants to bring us to that, not just having sufficiency, but the understanding of what that means. So we're able to give as he would direct us to give. So we're believing that you just have an abundance to be a blessing to others. Amen. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Every opportunity that we have to give, enter into your plan, your financial plan of giving and receiving. It's all over in, in your word, how you desire to bless us. But we, you desire for us to acknowledge that you are the blesser, that we're not of our own. We're not doing it of our own might and our own strength. But, God, you've blessed us. You've given us the power to get wealth, that we remember you. And so even as we bring our offerings, we remember you. God, we remember the covenant that we have with you. And so we give. We give out of love for you. We give out of the understanding that you are God and we have a covenant with you. And in doing so, we thank you, Father, that it enacts the power of your word, the blessing of your word. And we command that upon each and every one. Father, that you supply their every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father, for those who have given faithfully and given out of their heart. It will be given back to them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will men heap into their bosom that there will be a great sufficiency in their life to continue to follow you and obey you and able to give. That thanksgiving might go up to God through us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Open your Bibles with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Uh, this summer we're walking through Ephesians and... Um, uh, what we, you know, we're about halfway through uh, right now, and in looking at it and, and, and beginning to uh, uh, look through it and understand it, uh, we have gone through three chapters, and it, really in the beginning, he splits the book about in two, and so in the first half of the book, the first three, uh, Paul is talking about doctrine, and as we go forward, he's going to talk about duty. 
right? He's laid out some things doctrinally, what Christ has done for us, who we are in Christ, what the mystery of Christ is in teaching. And now he's about to talk to us about walking those things out and how we do it. And so, so many times, you know, we just think, you know, I don't want doctrine. I want to just do whatever, but we have no direction without doctrine, right? But if we're just going about doing stuff without direction, then we wander aimlessly. So Paul lines out as he normally does. He lines out some teaching what Christ has done for us. But then what we do in the light of that, in the light of what Christ has done for us, in the light of establishing a newness of life, how do we walk that out? And so really, you know, he, he explains to us in the first three chapters things about our, our wealth or what God has done, what we now have provision in Christ Jesus, right? In the first chapter, he tells us that we are called into the body by God's grace, not by our own work. So it's provision for us. He, he lets us know in chapter two that we've been raised with Christ. We used to be dictated to just like the world was because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But now Christ has raised us up. And then he talks about our reconciliation. We talked about that, that we are reconciled unto God. Then he releases the knowledge of the mystery that we, the church or to make known to principalities and powers the manifold wisdom of God in raising us from the dead. And so then he, he just parallels that. Now we're going to talk about how to walk worthy of that calling. If we've been called by grace, we've been called out by the grace of God, how we walk in that. Then, then, then he starts to talk about how do you live. If you've been raised to a newness of life, how do you walk in that newness of life, right? How do we walk in harmony with one another, the body of Christ? How do we walk in victory? And so that's what he's about to, to, to lay out for us is now I've told you what Christ did for you. Now what is your part in living this Christian life? And so in chapter 4, he breaks out and, and, and begins with this. He says, I therefore, in other words, because of the previous three chapters that I've written to you, I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So he's explained the calling of which we were called, he, he, that we've called out, we're redeemed, we're reconciled, we're sanctified, that we, the church, together are to make known the mystery of the gospel. And so then he begins to talk about this, this thing. And, and what we're going to talk about tonight, it was very important to the Apostle Paul. And it, you know, it should be very important to us knowing that the day that we live in, and that is the unity of the body. The unity of the body. He starts this part of how we walk out what he's just talked about by talking about unity. And so, and he's talking to a local church body. One thing that Paul writes here is certainly he talks about the whole family that's in heaven and in earth. He, he prays that prayer in Ephesians 1 and he says, Christ is the head of the body, the fullness of him who fills everything everywhere. But at the same time, he's talking to the local church body. And when he starts to talk about unity, he does span uh, both, but he really starts to talk about the operation of the local church body, how they're going to stay together in the midst of persecution, how they're going to stay together in the light of this doctrine and, and propagate the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They can't do it without unity, right? And so this mindset of unity as he brings it into them as local church body, so often, and even now today, we look at these scriptures and we kind of get spread all over. We get, we get to thinking, you know, just universally, I'm just part of the universal body, you know? So there was a story about this missionary who came to this pastor and, uh, he, he needed some money for his mission. And he said, well, what church do you belong to? He said, I, I belong to the invisible church. 
He said, well, what time does this church meet and who is the pastor? And uh, the missionary got a little bit uh, uh, upset. And he said, listen, you're not the true church. I belong to the invisible church. That's the true church. And the pastor said, well, here you go. Here's some invisible money then. (laughs) See, many times people don't want to be connected, but it's the unity of the body that we really begin to see collectively creates, and as we'll end with uh, this part of this chapter, it causes uh, growth, it causes stability within a local church body, this unity, and within that growth and stability, there's strength and cooperation, and with that strength and cooperation, there is a greater abundance of resource in every way, resourcing gifts, resourcing callings, resourcing finances to get the gospel out. Well, people want to say, I just want to do whatever. I'm a part of the universal church. But most of the time, to accomplish them what they want to do, they have to come to a strong local body of believers to do what? To resource them. Right? And so we don't look at that negatively, but if we don't look at it in the right, as we said this morning, the right mindset, we just think, well, I can float all over. God's called me to a ministry, but if God's called you to a ministry and then you need everybody else to finance it, but you don't want to be connected to that, then then something gets out of whack. The devil gains an advantage. So the unity of the body is incredibly important. So we're just going to look at four uh, thoughts here that Paul breaks down. And he begins with this one, and he really uh, starts to talk about something that's important to us. And it's really uh, the graces of unity. The grace, he'll talk about grace a lot, but these specific things. And, and grace, when we look at it like this, grace is like an endowment from the Holy Spirit of God. And so as we look into this, you may say, well, this is more like the fruit of the Spirit than grace. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is actually grace that's coming from the Holy Spirit, something, a divine influence upon your heart that reflects in your life. So in Galatians, where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, there's actually grace involved because the infilling, the the life of the Holy Spirit in you is now producing something you could not produce on your own. Love, joy, peace. So he said there's something that's going to have to take place that the Holy Spirit has brought upon us that will create and help unity of the body. And so he breaks that down. And first of all, he talks about lowliness. We're in, we're in the New King James. To just break that down, uh, it, it's really humility, right? He says it's humility. And I like what this, um, this uh, definition of humility that I got. It's putting God first, others second, and yourself third. Humility is putting God first, others uh, second, and yourself third. It's also, uh, I like this, he said, it's knowing ourselves. Humility is knowing ourselves. Being ourselves, accepting ourselves for the glory of God. Right? So sometimes we think we know ourselves, but we don't. But when we know ourselves, who we are in Christ, we know what giftings we have. We begin to accept those things, right? And so as he begins to talk about every joint supplies, every person has that. You know, we look at somebody else and say, I want to be like them. God says, I want you to be like you in me. I want you to know who you are in me. And I want you to understand what I've placed in your life. And through humility, I want you to offer that to the body. Right? So sometimes we know who we are. So you know, if we look at Romans, Paul wrote to the church at Rome, and he said, listen, there are different graces, right, besides just these, but these graces, they have to operate in humility, whether they're 
prophecy, whether they're teaching, whether they're giving, whether they're serving there in Romans. He said, so I want you to know, I want you to learn what your graces are, but don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And so we get in a quandary. We either think lower than ourselves than we ought to think, or we think higher than ourselves than we ought to think. And so he says, in lowliness of mind, how do we keep unity? Not thinking less of ourselves, identifying who we are in Christ, what God's put on the inside of us, but then giving that back to God first, utilizing it to serve others second, and then recognizing how in the spirit of God or in the kingdom of God, that actually benefits us and causes that grace or that gifting to actually grow and develop. Can't grow and develop just simply in our own mind. Those graces grow and develop as we use them to serve others, right? That's what Peter said. Peter said, listen, be a, 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 a steward of the manifold grace of God. And he, he talks about utilizing those graces to serve others, right? Not using your grace to serve uh, your self-interest, but using your grace to serve others. Amen. So that's a grace, that humility is, is part of how we keep the unity that Paul is about to, to uh, uh, talk about. And then uh, gentleness, other translations talk about meekness, meekness. And usually when we get to meekness, we think meekness is weakness. Meekness is weakness. But I was reading after this one writer, and I like this. He said, uh, meekness is power under control. Meekness is power under control. Now, that's good because it says Jesus was meek and lowly in heart. Yet, when he decided to go into the temple and overturn tables, nobody was stopping him. Now, I'm supposing that they had some security in the temple. But somehow, nobody could stop him. In other words, he had enormous power and strength, but he kept it under control. He was meek and lowly in heart. He wasn't there just to prove his power. He was there to control his power to help others, to bring unity. So meekness, you know, people, well, I'm just, I'm just meek. Well, no, you're not just meek. You're power under control. You have great spiritual power under control. And having that under control, it helps join us or bring us into unity. He goes on to say this. He goes on to, to offer up long-suffering. Long-suffering. So uh, this definition of long-suffering, I like it. It's the ability to endure discomfort without fighting back. Long-suffering. The ability to endure discomfort without fighting back. I think Paul knew the people at the church's Ephesus. <laughs> right? When we're going to join together in unity, if we're going to offer our gifts into uh, somebody else's life, you're going to endure some discomfort. If you're going to walk in love towards others, you're going to endure some discomfort. You'll want to fight back. I know it's never happened here. I'm so thankful we have such a great church. It's never happened here, I'm sure. But where I've given myself and, and, and got nothing in return, and now I, you know, my mindset, I'm thinking I start to get uncomfortable. I start to think I deserve. Well, all of a sudden, you start to think you deserve. You're about ready to fight back. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do something about that. He says, no, you just keep serving, not to get trampled over, but to understand that God's working a grace in us to keep unity, to keep unity, right? And so he's working that 
on the inside of us. So that long suffering is part of it. And then he says, bearing with one another, bearing with one another. But he adds this, in love. Because really, you can't bear with one another for a long period of time without love. Because we're so different. I mean, from wall to wall. This is just a part of who we are. We're so different. We come from different walks of life, different experiences, different places, right? And so because of all those different experiences that have shaped us and our understanding of how, how even you deal with people, right? How your work ethic is. Right? I mean, if you were raised with a good work ethic, just put your nose, just do what you're told to do, get it done, get, stay motivated to the end, right? You're there, you get a team around you, and they were raised with like, eh, mom and dad will do everything. Just let somebody else do it. And you're like, you're on, and they, but they want to be a part, they get on the team, and you're like, dear Lord, man, these people, you got to tell them every single time, you got to tell them every time, you got to tell them every time. But he said, listen, we're for unity, so we bear with one another. We bear with one another in love, in love, right? So love doesn't ignore things. Love doesn't say, well, we'll do it all for you, and you just get in on the the sloppy blessing that comes over. Because that's not doing them justice. That's not love. But in love, we'll see this. In love, we speak the truth. In other words, you know what? You might not have been raised this way, but now we're all together. So we all pitch in. We all do our part. It takes a little while for somebody to understand that if they've never had to do their part. But our expectation is everybody thinks like us. Okay, I'm the only one that thinks like that, I guess. But, (laughs) right? I mean, you lived your life a certain way. You were raised a certain way, certain things around you in different ways. But God collectively put us all together. And he didn't go like, what am I doing? He knew what he was doing. We're the ones who go like, God, what are you doing? Why did you put me here? Why am I, why did you inspire me or stir my heart to serve on a team with these people? Because he said, I'm, I'm working on developing unity. And in that unity, there's going to be a supply from that person that you never thought you could receive from. But as you join together in unity, something's going to come out of their spirit into your spirit that's going to strengthen you. That's why unity is so important. So we could, well, they don't have anything for me. Maybe not on the outside. Not when we look at their flesh and how they were. But that's why Paul says we no longer know each other after the flesh. For any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, everything has become new and now everything is of God. You say, well, if that's true, why aren't they living as a new creation? Well, they're learning. We're all learning. God's not finished with us yet, right? And so we bear with one another. Right, I'm talking to some leaders, talking to some people coming in. We bear with one another in love. We don't just put up with people and let it make us angry. We bear with one another in love. Praise the Lord. Isn't, that, isn't it somewhat consoling to know that 2,000 years ago starting this, they had some of the same difficulties. <laughs> Paul had some of the same things he was looking at that he had to instruct through revelation of the Spirit of God. So he says in this, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring. Not always a word that we use, but it means this. It means eager. Endeavoring. This means eager to maintain or to guard. 
So Paul said, be eager to maintain or guard the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So in other words, where it would be easy, easy to say, well, you just, you don't fit in, do something else. He says, be eager to keep the bond of unity, to keep unity, keep us together in peace. In other words, don't let strife in. Don't let strife in. And certainly over the years, over 31 years, uh, there's been times where strife has gotten in. Sometimes you just let down. You deal with people uh, long enough, and if you're not careful, you let down. Again, I like that song we sang this morning. You know, he just starts off with his phrase. He said, I don't know where I let go of my faith or something. You know, that's not the exact word. But I don't know where I let go of my faith. I, I don't know where I stopped believing in the impossible. See, if we're not careful, we'll let some things slip from the forefront of our thinking to the back of our thinking. But, you know, in the beginning, we, we, I mean, I set this forth that we would not do anything where strife arose. You know, we can, you can talk to Tony Haskell. She still sometimes brings this to my remembrance. You know, we'd do a Christmas program or something, and people would just think, well, it would be good. I'll just go to tell pastor what I don't like about it. Somebody would come in and tell them, I don't, I don't think this is running very well. And so I'd go to Tony if she was going to run it. And I said, well, if we don't get this straightened out, we're shutting it down right now. She said, we can't shut it down right now. Christmas is two days from now. I said, I don't care. We're not doing this in strife. We're here to minister to people. You can't minister to people through strife. And sometimes we just discount that. We get our strife going. We're working against one another. But he said, no, it's in the bond of peace. In the bond of peace. So we're endeavoring to keep unity in peace. You can't keep unity where you got discord amongst the brethren. So he said, be eager. Somebody say, be eager. Be eager. Come on, Paul said, come on, be eager about this. Well, I'm not eager. You don't know what they did. Well, get eager to keep the bond of peace. To keep unity in the bond of peace. Why? It's so important. We'll see this. I'm, I'm going away. But why? Why? As we look at it, there's a supply of the Spirit. Don't know why I'm on this. Didn't plan to get on this. It seems to, to be stirring up on the inside of me. You know, as we come together, we, we start to fragment ourselves and say we're fine with the people we hang around with. But God wants us to come together in unity because there's things on the inside of each individual. Not all developed yet. Some people who are here, they got stuff on the inside of them. They don't know, one. And two, what they do know, they're, they're shy. They don't know even how to release it. And so in this bond of unity, we're developing and growing and stabilizing. We're building in unity trust. And in that unity, all of a sudden, in that trust, a gift starts to come up. And it'll feed something that's needed in the body, in the body. So why would we be eager to keep the unity? Because we know it's in the unity that things are going to flow. Not where we get fragmented, but where we're together. And if we're fragmented, you know, if you're off somewhere, you don't have, you know, sometimes I, I look at the people and say, well, well I, I'm a pastor. I say, well, where's your church? And say, well, I don't have a church. God just called me to be a pastor. Well, it's very difficult to develop the gift of pastor if you're not pastoring anyone. Right? So we get all excited about gifts and stuff and how, how I have a supply for you. Well, you can't shove it down somebody's throat. And so then we get frustrated. He said, but in unity, where trust is developed and you're open and I'm realizing, then there begins to be a flow that comes from the spirit that comes out of me and flows into you. But because of unity. But if I'm fragmented off here, my gift can come everywhere it wants, but it supplies to no one. Because there's no one to supply to. 
but I'm, I've got a gift. I've got something to say, but nobody's listening because you've isolated yourself. And Paul knew that. The church could have no strength and power starting if we were all going our separate directions because God gifted us. He said there's a unity that will draw the body and it'll begin to grow the body and the body will begin to have impact on the world around it because it's growing in strength and it grows in strength because it has unity. Right? And unity and uniformity are different. Uniformity is something that comes from the outside. And we're not to be conformed to the world. We're not to be, come into a uniformity. But unity is something that comes from the inside. It comes from the inside. So we have unity. All right. Better keep moving. Paul wrote a lot in a little, so we want to get this in. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he says there's one body. So then he, then he gets to that point. So we have the graces. We have the graces that we're talking about um, that come, these, these particular graces for unity. Amen. And then we have uh, uh, really the grounds of unity. What, what's the foundation of unity that he talks about? And so he comes into this place and he says, for there's one body. There's one body. So here he gets into that universal understanding. There's one body of Christ. There's not a whole bunch of bodies of Christ. We, we label it that, you know, well, we're a local church body, but we're members of the body. So he said, there's one body and it's Christ, right? And there's one spirit, one spirit. So he's talking about unity, the grounds of that, that we have one body. We are the body of Christ. There's one spirit, one spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. That keeps unity when you know that. You know, when there's a disagreement within the body. Certainly we understand, you know, to ban that, there's, there's authority. Somebody, somebody has to make decisions when we don't know. But sometimes, you know, it's more of a matter of prayer. It's a matter of understanding. We have the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit, right? So if John and I here... We, we, we know, we have, you know, we're, we're a part of this church, the vision of this church. God's leading us somewhere. And, and he says, well, I feel like doing this. Well, let's just pray about it. We come back and it's like, he sees this, I see this. And they seem to be diametrically opposed. Well, if God's in it, we have the same Holy Spirit. Do you really think the Holy Spirit's telling us to do something totally different? No. But we'll say, well, my Holy Spirit, like your Holy Spirit's different than my Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. And you know, so somewhere that might have been taught, you know, you want to personalize it because he is in you. But he's the same spirit. It's the spirit of the living God. It's the spirit of the living God. We don't have, you know, we shouldn't have other spirits. Now, again, we don't understand as much, although we're coming into it. But they were dealing with a lot of different things, right? They were dealing with a lot of things. So, so they had different uh, things happening in the government, in different religions. They had different sects of those religions and all that stuff. And so he's saying, listen, we're one body, and that body is Christ, and we have one spirit. They, they had a lot of spiritual things going on, even as we do, but we're one spirit. And when we understand that, we're not getting uh, off. We are all called in one hope of our calling, one hope of our calling. So one hope of our calling is, is, is really to understand that we're all called to be like Jesus. But the greatest thing that we all look to is Jesus is coming again for his church. 
There's one desire. There's one desire to see him again, right? We're here to evangelize the world, to get everyone to know Jesus. There's one expectation of our calling. See, when we just start to think about my calling, I have to fulfill the expectation of my calling and my calling and my calling. That breaks down unity. But when we say we're all into one hope of our calling, it's Jesus. So my calling works together with your calling because it all falls into one calling. So wait a minute, you're not talking about one calling. No, we're talking about one main calling. God's called and appointed people for the purpose of the high calling. And when we do that, we, it brings us to unity. Well, what about my calling? Well, is your calling for you or is your calling for the one calling to bring Jesus back? So now my calling brings me into unity with your calling because it's one calling, one hope, one expectation of what we're called to do, and that's Jesus coming again. One Lord, one Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. When think about it, but you know, if all of a sudden we have more lords, then we don't have a unity. Our Lord is Jesus. We come together, we're looking unto Jesus. We're running our race, we're looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Right? One faith. One faith. See, they had a lot of things going on, a lot of different things. Our faith is in him. Our faith is in, in God, right? This gospel, the, the, different writers, different times, they said stay with the faith, which was meaning this faith in Jesus Christ, this faith which we're preaching. Paul said watch out for people who are preaching another gospel, right? Another gospel. So he says we have one faith, and that is in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, one faith, one baptism. So we talked about this in foundations one time, uh, one baptism. So people look at that and they go, well, you know, well, wait a minute. Well, you know, I read after a number of different writers who believe that this is what it says, one baptism, but they also know that the Bible talks about three baptisms. Hmm, so is the Bible wrong? No, he's talking about unity here, talking about unity, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. In other words, one body. So he's talking about that one baptism where the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. That one baptism, right? There is a, baptize, a baptism. So when he's talking about the one baptism, he's talking about the baptizer. So, so the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. Christ baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, what we see the infilling of the Holy Spirit, right? And so you get baptized immersed into the body of Christ one time. One time. There's some people here, you've been baptized in water a couple times. Right? Didn't know if it took the first time. Right? And some people, they got baptized religiously when they came to know Jesus Christ. They said, I want to get baptized again because my understanding is different. I didn't get baptized because I had to or it was a, uh, my parents made me. Uh, uh, but I realized who I am. So you got baptized more than once. Does that make you wrong? Well, no, there is something of your heart. But only one time. One time. You get immersed into the body of Christ. And that's when you have faith in Jesus Christ. So he said it all comes together in this unity because there's one God and Father of us all. Paul loved that. He said there's one God 
God that everybody got people worship all kinds of gods. He said, but there's one God, the creator of heaven and earth. And the joy of our unity is he's become the father of us all. Now, he's the father of us all. We're all family. We don't have a different dad. God, the almighty God, the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. Man, he's my father. He's my father. Praise the Lord. If you have, if you have a little trouble with that, I encourage you. Maybe come but, uh, on the weekend. Maybe he'll talk about it. But uh, Addison's new book, he gets into prayer and he gets into the Lord's prayer and he gets into the our father part of it and begins to talk about God being father and he talks about how people have had trouble because of their earthly father and he just said you have to understand this Jesus even talking really to maybe good dads but he told him he said if you being a father if you being evil know how to give good things so he said because of corruption earthly fathers have evil in them but God came to be the father that he intended for us to have from the very beginning. There's a uniqueness and an understanding. We hope to be the best dads that we can be to lead our kids to a loving father. But if you don't have that, God is still a father to the fatherless. We're, we should never discount fatherhood because we had a bad dad. Because God wants to show you what a good dad, what the original father's like, not tainted, not, not a different level, but but the father uh, that he is to everyone. And Paul got a grip on that. And he said, listen, he's, the, he's God. He's one God, but he's the father of us all, right? All of us. He's not father of every single person, but those who accept him as the God and Jesus as the Lord of their life. He becomes the father of us all. Praise the Lord. So what he's saying he, and he's bringing a people who've been all over the map. Religiously, they've been all over the map. They've had different gods. They, they came from paganism. They came from Judaism. They had all kinds of God. And what's he saying? He's saying, I'm bringing you to what? Unity. Unity. Right? So if you were raised as a Christian, you're like, well, all this makes sense to me. I don't know. But Paul's talking to people who've been all over. Some of you came in and said, man, I don't even know if this Jesus stuff is real. But God showed himself to you. But even sometimes, you know, you look at other people and you're like, but he says, no, keep your focus. This is how we stay in unity. He says, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Praise the Lord. All this creative power in this itty-bitty living space. God, by his spirit, is in us all. In us all. Joining us together. Amen. And so he's telling us to walk out this unity. This unity. And so then he gets into this. There's gifts in the body. For what? For the purpose of bringing unity. For the purpose of bringing unity. So he says this, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And he gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts unto men. Right? Praise the Lord. So he, he labels these five things, but you have to understand that, that when people come, you know, whether it's Addison, whether it's us, uh, uh, when you realize God's put something, we call it offices, we call it ministry gifts, there's a number of things, but God's placed that on the inside of somebody to be a gift to you for a purpose of developing us to walk in unity, to walk in unity. 
It says, now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he first also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be, right? So he gives all this stuff like Jesus did a lot to get to the point that he could give you gifts to develop you so that what's on the inside of you could work in ministering to others to grow his body. He did a lot. He, descend, he, he died, descended into hell, ascended back into heaven, sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat to redeem every single person. And then he said, I'm going to put things on the inside of people, gifts on the inside of people, and then I'm going to give them to my church. And how you relate to that will determine your growth. That's so why he says you, you should know those who rule over you and uh, who are labor alum, among you and rule over you in the Lord as those who are going to give an account for you. All right, praise the Lord. We're staying on unity. That messes some people up. All right, so he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so here he's, he's given gifts for what? Unity. And even these sometimes, we start getting divisive about it. So let's just break this down real quick, and then we'll, we'll have one more thing to say, and we'll close. Um, so when we look at it, he, say, he gave some apostles, some apostles. And so, you know, in our day today, and it, it goes in trends, uh, we're trying to figure out who all the apostles are. So let's just break it down to what Paul was saying, and then expand from there instead of getting way out here and having to narrow down. To expand from there, there was actually, in order to be an apostle in that day, you had to have seen, known Jesus, see his death, and see his resurrection to actually be an, considered an apostle. Paul was there, and Paul had a visitation from Jesus himself. And so when they questioned Paul, Paul went to them and he said, am I not an apostle like you are an apostle? And he wasn't just saying, well, God sent me and he sent you, and so I'm an apostle. He was saying... I saw Jesus walking the earth. I saw him die, and he appeared to me. I've seen him in his resurrected state, and he commissioned me. I'm an apostle. Right? So let's start from there. So when somebody just comes and says, I'm sent, I'm an apostle, and I can rule over you, just pause for a second. Say, wait a minute. Right? So, well, so who can be an apostle right now then? Well, wait a minute. Some of us, when you get to that point, you've seen him and you've known him. And you've really known the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? And there's a depth to that that we understand. And so there are apostles today. There are those who have a call of God who are sent to establish things and to, to lay things out. And there's a revelation that they have that they bring, an establishing revelation that God has given to them by the Spirit. But when we, when we water it down so much that anybody who decides they want to can be an apostle... That doesn't bring unity. It actually brings uh, disunity because some people are coming for what purpose? They say, I'm an apostle to draw people unto themselves, not to establish the unity of the body and the work of the body, but for people to recognize that they are and draw people unto themselves. So we want to be careful because God didn't, Jesus didn't give the gift of apostle simply to draw people unto you as an apostle, but he sent an apostle to establish his body in a place and establish them in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Amen? And so he said there's apostles and there are to equip us for work of minutes. There's prophets. 
there's prophets. So New Testament prophets were a little bit different than Old Testament prophets. I'm giving you the real nutshell version because we don't have another hour to be here or six weeks on this. We're not studying this particular subject. But we've gotten to the point where everybody's a prophet. I'm going to prophesy to you. But more simply put, even prophets of the day were traveling ministers who did what? They proclaimed the word of truth. They didn't foretell what God was doing necessarily. They foretold how the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ would change your life. They were proclaimers of the good news. Right Now, in that, you have some foretelling, right? The testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So I could foretell. If, if, if John is uh, not saved, right, I preach the gospel, and I say, if you receive Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Yeah. Hmm, that's foretelling. Oh, I want to foretell something grand. That's the grandest thing you could foretell in somebody's life. Right? And so, really, uh, there, there's prophets who traveled and proclaimed the gospel. In fact, in some, if people write a, a little differently about different things. But in this day, uh, the apostles would come and establish. Some would stay and establish the church. But many apostles would establish a church and then go to another place. They were more traveling. In this day, the prophets of the day were more traveling ministers. There were more traveling ministers going, proclaiming the gospel. When a church was established by a prophet, then a prophet would come and proclaim the gospel and share until a pastor teacher could be established in the body. All right? So they didn't stay to govern. They established, then put a pastor in place to raise the body. All right? And evangelists, they were traveling, and they were proclaiming the good news. And evangelists, most evangelists, as we see the, Phil, uh, uh, the evangelist Philip, then they came in. Prophets came. They did some establishing of the work. But where there wasn't a pastor in place, evangelists would come and preach the gospel. They would gather people together, have signs and wonders and miracles. Whole cities would get saved, and, but then, you know, the evangelists would move on. So there had to be a pastor teacher. So pastors, they shepherd the flock. They shepherd the flock, teach the flock, raise the young ones and, and the unity of the body. So they all work together. They're unified, right? So gifts aren't fighting against one another, right? We even see that. I, I, we went to the Philippines one time and, and did a crusade um, there uh, on the island of Mindanao. It was awesome. I'm just going to tell you. They were, it was like it was stepping into the Bible uh, I mean, we, they had people passing people on stretchers in this crowd. And then they get to the front and, and people would get up off of their stretchers and miracles happening. And, you know, we went into this one place. We were going to minister in a school. We got out of the jeepney to go into the school. People were standing there and say, can you come? Can you come? And we were like, well, we have, a, we have to go in here. But if you're still here when we get out, we'll go with you. So we're an hour in the school. We come out and they're still waiting. Americans can't wait that long. Um, they're still waiting. And... Uh, so uh, we go with them, and we, we walk down this dirt road, and they open this chain link fence that is closed in. We walk in, and there's like seven or eight people in a circle right there, and every single one of them needs a miracle. They need ears open. They, have, they need an eye that can see. They have cancer. Uh, one had heart trouble. And every sing we went in and prayed for them, and every single person had a miracle happen. Man. I mean, it was just phenomenal. But it was an evangelistic crusade. 
So talking to the evangelist, he's like, we just need to get them saved. And, and hearing, you know, uh, a few of us pastors were there and say, do you have any follow-up? And they're like, no, it's hard to get follow-up. We're just getting people saved. And so a pastor's like, well, you have to follow up. I mean, you can get them saved, but if they don't know what they're going to do after that, and a pastor wants to gather, he wants to care for the flock, he wants to teach the flock, but the evangelist is like, man, we could care for these people all day, and they may never get it. We got to get out there and get some people saved. We got to have a miracle. And they're supposed to work together, not work apart. Right? And so you all understand, and if you want to do a deeper study, you can. If you find some things, say, well, I don't think that's right. That's okay. I'm just giving you this overview. And to understand, Paul didn't get into a huge depth of study here because he's talking about bringing the church into unity through these gifts that Jesus put in the body, not dividing. These gifts should never be divisive. They should bring unity into the body. Amen. Praise the Lord. And he said, these are for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, there it is again, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. It causes growth of the body in love. So he says right here, these gifts come to do what? To bring growth and stability to the body. And how is the body going to grow in uh, 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 grow and, and become stable through unity. And through unity, we have cooperation. We have cooperation. And so when he says every joint supplies, we have great cooperation. When he says we edify and we build one another up, you do that through cooperation. The unity of the body, he puts things there to bring cooperation. I want to end with this. I want to read uh, from this writer right here talking about this particular part of scripture. He says, the body grows as the individual members grow. And they grow as they feed on the word and minister to each other. Note once again the emphasis on love. Forbearing one another in love. Speaking the truth in love. Edifying of itself in love. Love is the circulatory system of the body. It has been discovered that isolated, unloved babies do not grow properly and are especially susceptible to disease. While babies who are loved and handled grow normally and are stronger. So it is with the children of God. An isolated Christian cannot minister to others nor can others minister to him. And it is impossible for the gifts to be ministered either way. So then, spiritual unity is not something we manufacture. It is something we already have in Christ. And we must protect and maintain it. Truth unites, but lies divide. Love unites, but selfishness divides. Therefore, speaking the truth in love, let us equip one another 
and edify one another that all of us may grow up to be more like Christ. Praise the Lord. So he said here, these first three chapters, I'm going to tell you what Jesus did for you and its doctrine. But now we're going to talk about how we walk it out as his body. And we can't do it without understanding what God has done to develop unity in the body. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We receive it tonight as it is in truth, the holy written word of God. That truth that you have presented to us. That in receiving it sincerely, as babes receive milk, we'll grow and increase. That God, you deal with our hearts as a local church body. How we might be unified in a greater measure. Fulfilling our part in your body. As members of your body. As members of this church body. How we edify one another. Serve one another. Grow. Stir in us an eagerness. An eagerness to keep the unity of the body. In the bond of peace. We thank you, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. Remind us of these things. Stir them in us as we begin to see and understand and have a stirring on the inside of things you've empowered us with, graced us with, gifts on the inside of us, how we bring those in humility to edify and to build up your body. That in serving one another, we create a great strength that we might serve the people around us. That in becoming a strong united community of believers that we can begin to affect the community around us with the light of the glorious gospel. So we thank you. We do praise you. We do magnify you for working in the heart of each and every person that we might in love grow the body, in love serve one another, in love edify one another, in love offer that which you have placed on the inside of us, your grace in us. Offer that to the building up of your body. We thank you for it. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Say this we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.